Hey, Rodney. What's happening today? Uh, what's happening is, hello, I, I know I don't have a shtick because we didn't check on that before we started. We just started. So, you know, I just, here's what I want to say. Drink water. Be kind. Get your plants. And love yourself and love other people. Mm, that's good. That's what I got. That, that's good. I'm practicing what our upcoming guest, Lincoln, the improv coach, hath taught me improv in this moment. Improv in this moment only. Welcome back to the More in Common podcast. I am your co-host, Keith, using my best NPR voice with my man, Rodney. How are you today, Rodney? Hi, and today on That's Baking, we're going to be talking about (laughs) compassion. That's right, compassion, ladies and gentlemen. In this episode, you're going to hear a couple of uh, pretty poignant thoughts on compassion. It's about respecting everyone. It's about not making it about you. It's about meeting people where they are. And it's about peace. We have an amazing conversation with Elizabeth Miles coming up, Keith. What what would you draw people to in the episode? My favorite thing about, I mean, we talk a lot about pivoting. But the details around taking small pivots, not just focusing on the big pivots in life. And then her story like her story is one that might resonate with you or with a friend or a family member that she has she spent a long time working through to only get to the place where she finally pivoted 20 years later. So I think there's a lot to take from this conversation. I took a lot from it just having it and I'm really excited to bring it to you. Absolutely. And just a couple of things that I took from it. If you're you're trying to learn how to be your own best friend, how to take care of yourself, how to listen to yourself, your intuition, how to define what success is for you, I think that this is going to be a good conversation for you. You know, something that Elizabeth says is we're never stuck, lost or alone. We always have a choice. So I think it's going to be a fun one. And before we jump into it, we want to remind you that you can find all things more in common at moreincommonent.com, including our consulting, where we guide organizations to a better inclusion strategy based on our four step more process. If you have any interest, if you know of a culture that could use some, use some love, could use some help, reach out. And oh, if you like the show, and you like what we're doing, and you're interested, share it. Tell a friend, give us a like, leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, especially iTunes, because we want to boost ourselves up. And, you know, also subscribe on YouTube, because you might be watching this, and subscribe on YouTube. So, hey, on to the show. Let's get to it. Success is a measure from you. Like, you define your own success, and I think it's easier to forget and fall into that mindset of, well, they have a million and one hits on YouTube. Clearly they're successful. Well, no, not necessarily. Maybe they have money, but they don't define their success financially. Maybe they define it from another frame. Success is a personal story. That's like what makes you successful. 
Elizabeth A. Miles is an author, a certified life and business coach, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur. As the founder of March 4th Media Company, she's on a mission to help creatives find their unique style and voice and share their message with the world. Elizabeth is committed to helping others gain the knowledge, skills, and confidence they need to build a brand and business and a life that they love. And Elizabeth is also the author of This Is Where You Pivot, The Shift from Fear to Freedom, The Journey to Healing, Love Yourself, and Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. She is also the host of the Power to Pivot podcast, available on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, and really on any major podcast player where she interviews others who have made the choice to pivot in their lives. Her blog features other creatives who are trying to spread their story and offers tools, tips, and resources for marketing and brand development. Elizabeth is a Philadelphia native who loves baking and cooking, music, and spending time in nature. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? What up? Doing Doing well. great. How are you? I'm awesome. It, the sun's shining. It's a beautiful Friday. Can't complain. Awesome Funko Pops behind you there. Like, let's go. Beautiful Friday. I know. How bad of a day can it be with Zoltar from Big behind me, which I think is my mm, favorite right now. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a find, right? Oh, my God. You should have seen me when I found it. It was kind of an embarrassing, like, 80s like moment i was like oh my god my daughter's like what is wrong with you <laughs> like i said you don't understand we must watch big and then you'll get it yeah this is a whole thing have you made a wish on it or do you keep them in the box oh zoltar's in the box i honestly was so excited i didn't even think to make a wish do you open your funko pops this is not an official first question i just curious i've not yet and i don't know why i kind of feel like i want to but at the same time i feel like it's a little wrong. Like It's kind of the thing, though. Like They have collector's value, and if you keep them in there, at some point, they go into the trust, and they just, they're worth dinero to somebody. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> and once they're open, like you just can't turn back. And you have this good look, the display. I say keep them in the box. You just never know. Yeah, He-Man's staying in the box. Unless you need to make a wish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got He-Man, too, back there. See the new He-Man coming out? We could be here a while talking about the Funko Pops. We could. Yeah, this is going to be our entire conversation. You know, we have one episode that never released where we talked about Harry Potter the whole time. So our first question, official question that we ask every guest, and I like your answer. I'm curious to see how it comes about when we talk about navigating difficult conversations. And you said it's not always about you. So ego... The hard side of ego can get us all pretty aggressively these days, especially when you think about just the political divide of every issue that seems to come up, whether or not to cut a single blade of grass or not seems to make it a political issue these days. How do you make it not always about yourself? Oh, it's hard. It's a lesson that I think I'm practicing always and have only really started to understand because, I mean, our ego wants us to be right all the time. But in a conversation, especially in those difficult conversations, take a step back and breathe. That's what I keep telling myself because if you're so stuck, I know for me when I'm stuck in my head, it's like I can't listen 
My ears have suddenly turned off. And even though I can hear the words coming out of your mouth, I don't hear the meaning and the energy and like the real underlying issues. Because usually when we're talking, and if it's a really difficult conversation, especially when you think about political, like some of those charged issues, we're so stuck in, I'm right, you're wrong. There's only one way. And I think it's really easy to forget, like, no, there can be multiple and oftentimes, well, usually are more than one answer to the question. So I try to keep that as a framework and always try to ask myself, where are they coming from with this? Because they have a background and they have a story and they have a filter and it's not about me. And I'd like to think that they're having that same thought because then we can really have a dialogue, like we can talk. Not always the case and also difficult to remember, like that's them, that's where they are. But take a step back and breathe. You said practicing always, but just starting to understand. By the way, everything you just said, totally agree. What is it that you're just starting to understand about it? Really that it's okay that it's not about me. Like there's this part, I mentioned like this overachiever in me, right? This part of me that I want to fix things. I don't like there to be conflict. But it's easy for me to take that stuff into the conversation, into these discussions. And really learning, like, it's okay if we don't come to a solution right now. What's more important is that we're starting that process to break down those barriers, that we're just starting to chip away at the surface. And it may take time. There's some issues that our country, our world faces right now that are huge and very long lasting and pervasive. And it's going to take more than one conversation before we can really create that change. But it's about chipping away at just every chance you can. And it's funny because my husband, that's something that my husband has told me. And I'm like, First of all, in an argument, don't tell your wife that. Because <laughs> she's probably going to be honey. really, really it's mad. about you. <laughs> it's not about you. And I'm looking at him going, what do you mean? My feelings are hurt. How could it not be about me? But yeah, it, you. one day I finally was like, oh, I get it. It's not about me. So it's ongoing. <laughs> it's funny because it isn't and it is because like the reaction is 100% about you because like you said you bring all this stuff in to make it about yourself and not necessarily on purpose but it just it happens and we were reminded yesterday that the problem is the problem not the person and we conflate that and then we can never actually get to the problem like we just start arguing about like what well, but you said and then this one time you did and it's like prove it and it's like but what, what, what weren't we just trying to figure out how to get the kids to school like right and it could be about anything like that right like it takes us so far off course from what we're actually talking about because we get so stuck in ego judgment blame i gotta be right or i gotta fix it because it's making me uncomfortable not to that was a hard one for me to learn because I had to realize, like, I'm uncomfortable without there being a solution. But that's not about the problem. That's not about the other person or where they... That's me. That's my stuff. I have to learn to sit and be uncomfortable. It's like, well, who's setting the parameters for them? Am I setting the boundaries for how I expect you to act? 
Thus, I am actually making it about me. I'm not respecting you and your space and whatever it may be. Sure, that example plays in certain areas, but at the end of the day, I think we need to be better at accepting that other people don't have the same boundaries that we do across all these little things. The big things we can talk about, but like all these little things, it's not just about you and it's not only, yeah, I love it. I love that you mentioned boundaries. I think it's knowing who you are, being okay with who you are and understanding you're going to have a boundary, but they likely do too. And if we're going to get anywhere you have to understand that as people, we have to respect each other's boundaries. And like, you don't want them to overlap yours. Don't overlap theirs. Like, that's not, it's got to go both ways. Having kids has really helped me, I think, break down some of this with adults because I care about my kids more than I care about most adults. So like, I see it when... And I was reading something, it was like, you have to give them an opportunity to save face because we're human. Like, we want to save face. And even at a very young age, they have this concept of humiliation and just being embarrassed. And so I can see it happen. It's like, oh, no, like, the boundaries been crossed or they're not feeling this. And it's like, oh, okay. So I can see it with them. And I've become a little bit more sensitive to it with adults and their boundaries. And it's been helpful for me. I think it's awesome too, especially if you can have those conversations with your kids. Cause I think so it's a conversation that's so easily missed because we're all like, let's let our kids be kids. You know, they're little. No, they need to know because when they get to be 16, 18, young adult, you know, early adulthood, and they're going to have to start making bigger decisions. I didn't know what boundaries were until I was like 37. No one told me what it was. Had I known, things might have been a little different in my life. So it's good to have those conversations with them when they're little and let them know it's okay for even them as at their young ages to have boundaries. So speaking of boundaries, your platform is about pivoting and adjusting to the pivot. And we've actually, we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about their pivot, their jump off moment and what that looks like. You coach people to do it, which is a different perspective because it's funny when people do it and they're not, they don't have a coaching mindset. It just, it's like, we did it, just do it. And it doesn't necessarily work to tell people to just pivot and do it. So how do you, like, what's your best advice that you give to people who are looking to make a jump or a pivot in a material way in their life? So I think the biggest thing that I remind people of, it's not about one pivot. You know, I think we all want to make more money. It's not even necessarily about jumping into entrepreneurship. Every day is an opportunity. You always have a chance to make another choice. And that's really what I teach people and help coach people on. We're never stuck. You know, I talk on the podcast and the book, you know, when I'm coaching people, we're never stuck, we're never lost, and we're never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot. And it's really about making new choices. Whether that is, I feel stuck in my career and I need to make a change, 
I've always wanted to start my own business, but I've been afraid or I've been making excuses and now's the time. Those are big things, right? But it could also be as simple as I'm going to choose to pivot in this conversation and not make it about me so I can actually listen to what they're saying. What I can choose to pivot on my way to work when I'm stuck in traffic and make a new choice so I'm not like road raged out when I get to work. Any moment is an opportunity to like switch your framework, look at your mindset, and you can choose how you think how you feel like you can make adjustments at any moment. It's big things, little things and everything in between. So usually I start with the little things because it's easier to make those little adjustments, right? And when you start to make the little changes, you can see how powerful you really are. You can start to see like, it's okay if I make this new choice. Like one little new choice leads to another one, to another. The concept of massive action leading to success never felt right to me. And it kind of scared the crap out of me too. For me, I needed to take those littler steps consistently to get where I wanted to go. The little changes you mentioned, what do you think it is about them that helps unlock that power or the being able to see it? Like, have you pinpointed what that is? I mean, There's part of me that wants to say they're a little bit easier, but I think it's more about there's an ease to consistency with the little changes. It's about sustainability and setting expectations. That's not to say that there are people out there who can make one big jump after another, and that's great. But for me and those that I've worked with, it's been, I need to make this little change, make sure that we're good. And then I can make another one. Let me make sure I can do this consistently. Because if I try to make that quantum leap, that big, massive jump, and I'm not ready for it, I'm setting myself up for unreasonable expectations that ultimately lead to, I'm not getting where I want to go. I'm going to fail. Which, honestly, you can see that failure as a failure or a success. You can frame you can choose that (laughs) yeah i like to frame failure as nothing more than data because once you look at that data you can pivot there and learn from it and make a new choice even in that failure moment so it's never a failure you're all you can constantly improve from that i wonder i think the i know the big changes are scary i think thinking back i think even the little changes are scary i think that concept of change and i think the little ones kind of prove that like, I don't know, I'm wondering what you two think, if the little ones prove that it's okay. Like if I change this one, like if I go this way to work instead of this way, like I'm still going to get there. Oh wait, it's actually faster. Turns out I don't have to go the way that I have gone for years just because I've gone that way for years and things will still work out. Well, so I was going to say like, sometimes we also have to accept that big changes are needed. You can't always avoid them. You can look at, you just said, you know, I can make the little ones and I'm still okay. I'm still safe. Every now and then we have to make that big choice. Like I had to move Philly to Northeastern PA. It was a big change, but it had to be made. Sometimes there's circumstances outside of our control. We can't avoid it understanding that 
you're going to be okay anyway. Sometimes you just have to take that leap on yourself. First of all, do you watch Friends or did you ever watch Friends? Oh my gosh, yes. Like the the Funkos, we could do an episode on Friends, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the more we talk about this, the more I think about Ross, Rachel, and Joey carrying the stairs up the pivot. <laughs> my yes. wife's favorite scene ever. <laughs> so it just makes me laugh. It's funny because so I uh, was on a camping trip in the mountains. We were in the middle of nowhere. I was, and I talk about this in my first book, but very bad, abusive marriage, kind of knew for a while where it was going, knew I wasn't happy where I was. So we're standing in this camping trip. He's setting up the camp. I'm standing by the stream and it's very quiet. There's nobody there. It's early April. And I literally, I took a breath and I heard a voice that literally said, this is where you pivot. I didn't know where it came from or who it was. I just knew I had to listen to that. And then after that, the next day we were hiking a mountain and I was like, oh, I get it. It was all about the fear. And I I was judging myself for climbing this mountain, thought I was doing it all wrong. And I kept hearing, this is where you pivot. Within six months, my entire life changed. But I often say it's funny because the universe talks to you in ways that you will understand. And when you really need to hear it, that you're going to hear it. And I honestly think that because of friends is why, because we're huge friends, fans in my family. And I I heard this is where you pivot. And I also heard pivot. (laughs) So (laughs) I love it. Whether it's the angels were like speaking through Ross Geller, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, probably. No, it's so I think (laughs) kind of to your question, Rodney, the small, I mean, it's like any habit. If you do something enough, it becomes muscle memory. And so what I like about the frame that you have on this is we hear about the big jumps and the big pivots more because they're grand and we are gravitated to grand stories we don't necessarily care about that time that someone pivoted and made it about the other person versus me but what also comes from that if you're consciously doing it is a positive frame on understanding how you're pivoting to make the changes that you want to make as you lead up to the big one so i'm thinking about it in the terms of us We constantly are talking about the big jump that we're going to make once we're in the position to do it. And I don't know about you, Rodney, but I sometimes, I mean, I feel shame. Like, why haven't I done this yet? Am I good enough? Is this going to actually happen? And we talk about that, right? And then there's that worry and anxiety. But what we're not focused on is the fact Like for me, I don't end up focusing on the fact that we pivoted to start the podcast and then we pivoted to do this and we pivoted to do this and we made all these positive pivots, little jumps that got us to interview Kristen Bell and some of these, like all of these things that have happened as we've pivoted all because we're so focused on that big one. And it creates this like, okay, it's never going to happen. It's like, wait a second, we've been building this muscle. We're just not ready for that one yet. But when we're there, we'll be there. And I think I like that frame versus the giant pivot. I like that too. And I also, you just said muscle memory. I heard some neuroscientists talk about like how belief is formed. And it's basically something you think enough times. 
forms into a belief. So it's actually kind of helping people question their own beliefs and like their place in it and like whether it is their belief or not in a very manageable way. Because if you start with, do I believe what my parents told me? That can be overwhelming versus just (laughs) like, (laughs) do I believe that this is the only way to do this particular mundane task or whatnot? It's about allowing yourself to explore. As much as I talk about, I don't like to be uncomfortable. Those are moments when you definitely are, when you're questioning big things, little things and everything in between, like you're putting yourself in a new place. And it's funny because we do always hear about those big changes, but I think part of the problem is that we hear, it's almost like we hear about those big pivots and those massive, like successful outcomes. And we forget that there probably were a million and one baby pivots along the way. I know I felt that when I first became an entrepreneur and I thought, well, crap, like I've been doing this my whole life. Like, why can't I do this? I'm a failure. I wasn't an overnight success. And I forgot that wait, this is part of the learning process. I've never done this as an entrepreneur on a massive scale. And I had to remind myself that even the best, because at that point it was when I started my bakery, you know, even the best bakers burn a batch of cookies every now and then, or, you know, there's going to be growing pains along the way. The concept of an overnight success, does it happen? Yes. But more often than not, we don't always get that backstory because likely there was a seed that was planted way before. And then it was those little steps along the way. And I feel like we need to talk more about those little tiny pivots and make it part of the conversation because that's what's going to encourage people to take those smaller steps and not hold themselves back because they think they have to be that overnight success. It's easy to fall into if I'm not an overnight success, I'm a failure. You know, I didn't make a million dollars my first day in business. Like, Clearly, or I didn't sell out of cookies. Clearly, I can't do anything right. So I can't be doing it right. Yeah, like, so realistic. <laughs> yeah, so reasonable, right? I don't think there's such thing as an overnight success. Like I've been, I've yet to hear of a case where it's like, yeah, that was. I think there's overnight stardom, and I think we confuse the two. That's I think you can point. become famous overnight. I think you can't become a success overnight, and like even that stardom is probably. Again, I can't think of a case where somebody just has so much talent innately that they just become famous overnight. Like, it's because they've done this thing for years and years and years and years, and then they get seen by somebody on YouTube. The access is different, right? Like, it can happen to people that it would have never happened to 30 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago, but it, it's not overnight. It just seems that way because I didn't know about them yesterday. Oh, I love that. Yeah, social media changes everything. We think that it's a good call out because I didn't know about them yesterday, but here they've got like six bazillion hits on YouTube and now they're trending viral and everybody is talking about this video. And so it's interesting how we perceive that. Yeah. It's almost like stardom is success. Right. When it's not (laughs) stardom is just stardom. And how often do we hear about a star and then never hear about them again, but we don't think about them. And for all we know, I mean, we have no idea what's on the other side of that versus what actually is success. And when I think about stardom, like, I do not want that. That's not what I'm, I do not want all the things that come with that. That's a good point, because if they're stars, do they think they're successful? Like, 
success is a measure from you. Like you define your own success. And I think it's easier to forget and fall into that mindset of, well, they have a million and one hits on YouTube. Clearly they're successful. Well, no, not necessarily. Maybe they have money, but they don't define their success financially. Maybe they define it from another frame. Success is a personal story. That's like what makes you successful. But I think it's easy to fall to that stardom just because you're a star, you're a success. Tying it right back to it's not about you. But it is like if I see you as successful, I'm seeing you as successful based on my determination of success. And then I'm mad because you don't think you're successful. And it's like, yeah, but you have different parameters, different rules, different boundaries. And we need to separate. Or you don't live up to my version of success. Yeah. You're too outspoken. You're not outspoken enough. You're too quiet. You're, you know, whatever. Or even on the flip side, it's like, why aren't you successful? It's like, well, I think I am successful and I'm successful based on my own boundaries, maybe not yours. And just going, tying that back together. And you, you brought up a thing about uncomfortable and it it made me think of, I've heard people say, you got to learn to be comfortable. You got to learn to like discomfort and like, but then it, that's oxymoronic. Like it's discomfort. If I liked it, it would not be uncomfortable. I think you can learn to make peace with it. Or like, I think I recognize when I'm uncomfortable. So I have to adjust like what I'm doing because it, it messes with the rest of my life. Cause like, I just, I don't like it. Like it's, it's strange, but I seek it. <laughs> it's weird. Yo, yeah. It stretches you, but you have to accept it. That's There's it. A, accepting. I, I like to say it's accepting. Yeah. 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 It's part of life. It's going to happen. And it's good for you, whether you want to admit it or not. It's really good for you. Accepting <laughs> and liking, you grow, not equal. You. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You don't have to like it, but but it is this it. funny cycle, right? It's like you get uncomfortable, so you can become comfortable in a different tier of whatever you perceive as your life, only to get bored and then get uncomfortable again and do it again and. And do it again and again and again. And it's this constant evolution you know, if you're constantly growing. But you're I have never a question. Done. Never done. You're yes. never done. Never still done. Cook. We're still cooking. We're still baking. All right, we're going to pause it right here. We're going to release the second part in just a couple of days. In the meantime, if you hop back in our catalog, we had an amazing conversation with Tristan Coopersmith. I know I say they're all amazing, but it's because they really are. We had a really good conversation with Tristan Coopersmith, episode 40. It's a long ways back, but it just some parallels to the stories, and we think you'll get something out of it. So while you're waiting for the next one, go back and check out Nodal in the Library. Talk to you soon. Thank you.